families or, 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 or individuals, they, they tend to go in these wealth cycles where within three generations, uh, a family will kind of go from rags to riches and back to rags. Hi, everybody. Um, this is the first episode of Love, Love Your Problem podcast. And my name is Alex Fellman. I'm here with James Digby. Um, we're two sort of entrepreneurial people, also investors. Um, we've seen this community a lot uh, and we're really actually passionate about solving different problems. Um, so we thought it would be a good idea to set up a forum where, where people can discuss the problems that they're really passionate about and sort of what got them into it, why they're working on these problems, why these problems are important. Uh, for the first two episodes, uh, we're going to sort of interview each other and get of, of the problems that we're working on and why we're passionate about them. Um, Am I going to be the first guest? I think. I think you will be. I think. Okay. Uh... <laughs> so I think. I think I'll be in the first one, and then very quickly we'll do a second one with with, with James. Um, anyways, though, so this is the first episode. Uh, we want you to like and comment, and also let us know about uh, what problems are you really passionate about. Who do you think we should have on to talk about the problems that they're working on, or if you want to come be on our podcast, um, let us know. Reach out to us. We're excited, and I think it's it's time to to jump into this. <laughs> Alex, firstly, thank you very much for being the very first guest <laughs> in our show. Um, ultimately, it's like, I mean, going into it, we talk about love the problem. What are the problems that you're solving at the moment? What, what, are you, what did you jump into? Sure. So right now, I think the, the, the really big thing that, that I'm focused on right now is, is we're in the middle of the, the biggest wealth transfer in the history of humanity. Um, over the next couple of decades, about 30 to $60 trillion, it's an estimate, is being transferred from primarily baby boomers to millennials. Um, and with this wealth transfer, historically, uh, what people have found is that families or, or, or individuals, they, they tend to go in these wealth cycles where within three generations, uh, a family will kind of go from rags to riches and back to rags. So most families don't maintain wealth over Three Have you seen that time and time again systematically throughout? Generally, it just it's it's sort of within the the wealth industry and the private wealth industry and the wealth management is it's pretty much common knowledge. And there's there's sort of very few families. Uh, think of a family like the Rothschilds or the Rockefellers or or whatever that have actually been able to maintain their wealth yeah. across many generations. Um, most families, essentially, once you get to a point where the the generation was sort of not involved with the wealth creation or growth. So usually what tends to happen is is sort of you have the, the first generation is the one that creates a business yeah. and, and, and kind of builds a reputation and, and so on and so forth. And then usually sort of the next generation jumps off that and expands the business. And really they, they kind of have, you know, they go, oh, I, I don't want to just uh, follow the path of my, my mother or my father. I want, I want to take this to the, to the next level. Um, but then once you get to the generation after that, They've sort of been raised from, you know, their their grandfathers or grandmothers were the ones who created their business. Their, their fathers are the ones who, who built, sort of expanded the business. And, and usually that's where you see sort of globalization or franchising. And all of a sudden they've just been born into the money and the wealth. They don't necessarily have the entrepreneurial spirit. They, they don't mm-hmm. kind of know what it is like to live in a world without the wealth. And so they don't, what has generally been seen is, is they don't generally have the same drive or, or values that came up with the family and what, what got the family sort of wealthy in the first place. It's an interesting point, actually, because if you look at it, technically they would then have all of the resources and all the ability and everything at their disposal in order to take it to that next level. Where do you see that happening? Is it just because of the, the being grown up into that area? or it's, it's, 
I think there's a couple things. I think there's a, there's a couple different things, and I can't say this for for every like a lot of families are. I'm, I'm also seeing that from a family, but you also often sometimes see this in businesses, mm-hmm. right? Right. You sort of see sort of these generational trends in, in businesses, and if you look at things like the the top ten companies in, in like the S and P five hundred, essentially every decade that list turns over. Yeah. And and usually sort of you know yes you have the rise and then you have sort of the consolidation, but then this this you know staying relevant and, and innovating is is, mm-hmm. is a problem sort of on on the business side. You can sort of see similar cycles um and i think i think there's a couple different things of of one there's not necessarily the values transfer because so so with the first two generations usually have these strong values and usually entrepreneurial values and 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 this drive to to build something and i think to some extent there's sort of this this double-edged sword that happens of of the first generations want to sort of create this great environment for their their children and sort of go, oh, you know, I had to work so hard, so I don't want my kids to work really hard. Yeah. But but then what that ends up doing is is giving the kids the not the drive to work hard, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and it sort of you know it, it becomes and and so if 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 they, and again this is not all families, but it, it's it's you see this kind of consistently of of kind of this desire to to create like a, a safe and comfortable environment for the kids mm-hmm. ends up having it so the kids don't have the desire to 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 and drive to do that for themselves so going back to the problem you're saying that is it the problem that you're looking for the educational side or is that actually just in general what to do with that wealth when it gets to that point on the third generation for example and finding ways to innovate businesses from within as a family business or so so i'm i'm personally more focused on on the individual side and on the educational side and and i i I sort of think that you can sort of distill these values of, of entrepreneurship and, 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 and taking ownership and, and really being more active um, with these. Because at the end of the day, um, you know, these next generations are going to be the financial decision makers, even mm-hmm. if that decision is, oh, I don't really want to be involved or, oh, I'm just going to, you know, spend the money and not, you know, live sort of a glamorous lifestyle, right? You would sort of live with the, I don't know, I sort of think of, of, of you know, the recent wave of, of um of people who are going to inherit, you know, think the the Paris Hiltons, the Kardashians, etc. Right? What, what are they really doing? I mean, they're actually really smart because they've turned it into a brand. And, and yeah. you actually, if you really look at what they're doing, they're actually working really, really hard. We're going to go off topic here for a second. <laughs> whenever you go to Kardashians, <laughs> you're always going to go off topic. I'm sure. Why not? But <laughs> ultimately, like if you look at the Kardashians, and, and you, technically they didn't really come from money, but they, they came but, from the, you know the aspect of, of taking that brand and, and taking that. But, but hold on, hold on. I mean, family or the father of the Kardashians was an Olympic gold medalist. Like, 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 like okay. Let, let's let's not. <laughs> Not play around, or, or Paris Hilton was, you know, taking okay, a, so uh, even on that that generational you wealth, you're not even saying that those which should come from mega wealthy money, even that, you know, so someone that is a previous celebrity mm-hmm. or that that secondary part is where they've come up comfortable as True. such, and and finding that part. So you know, it's not just thinking about the 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 one percent in the world as such, but you're also saying that there is that that balance in between. Or I think you you often see. I'm sort of focusing with within mine of, of sort of the, more towards the top and, and realistically I'm, I'm of the belief um, you know I'm an American I live in we're, we're here in Denmark so we're in Europe I would argue if you're living in any of those places you are the one percent and, and and most people are, aren't really aware of that of, of in a global context and I, I'm a very global person if you're living in the US if you're living in, in Europe most likely most of Europe or at least certainly central Western Europe 
you're you're part of the one percent. Yeah. E- even if you're like technically in poverty in these places, like the poverty for America or poverty yeah. for Europe, you'd still be part of the one percent of the world. So so right. so let's let's. I don't know. I, I personally like to put things into context. And, no, and, and, certainly. And, 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 it's just so that, you know, where, we, where we're coming from and seeing where... Right, but but I think you still sort of see those, you know, all right, let's say, let's let's talk about, let's say, relative 1%. Let's say you're talking more more uh, professional middle class, so families of doctors yeah. or, or lawyers or, or, you know, these types of things where they're getting wealthy but not uh, Kardashian, Paris Hilton, so, you know, okay. Hilton wealthy, right, or Waltons or, or these types of things. I think you see, from what we've seen is you, you still see similar shifts of, yeah. let's say, the wealth of a, that a doctor tends to build up. Maybe it lasts one generation, but then in two, it tends to, to trickle away. And then this is just something you see kind of over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, again, coming back, I, I think it, it is sort of this value thing. And I, where we sidetracked is, is, okay, a lot of people like to hate on the Kardashians or whatever, yes, but, exactly. but they've, from a branding and marketing perspective and what they're doing is ridiculous. Yeah. And and okay, we we, you know, I personally don't like or agree with their brand, but you can't deny the power of the brand they're doing. And if you actually look at it, it's 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 not. They are very very let's call it tactical, mm-hmm. in what they're doing, and they're working very very hard to maintain this this lifestyle and image and whatever. And not I don't agree with that. It's not a lifestyle I like, and we can argue all we want of whether or not like. Them promoting this lifestyle is, is well, good for one the, of the world. Jenners, she just made the youngest billionaire list in the world, and of course, a lot of this is made up on the percentage of their company. Yeah. We saw Elizabeth Holmes yeah. also on that same yeah. list uh, at one point with the majority of her funding mm-hmm. tied mm-hmm. to her company. But also, you look and see from using her personal brand yep. and then taking that and then also leveraging on yeah. the market and growing a cosmetics it's, it's powerhouse, which is sure. nowadays in, in every other store. Oh, there's that, but there's also. I mean, they have their their mobile game. They have their the the TV show. Like like, mm-hmm. the, if you don't, I would say, and I don't know how we we went down this path, but but like the Kardashians are working hard. Yeah, and and if you don't think that they're working hard, then then you're delusional. The thing is, we can get into the question of like, you know, do we really believe that like that's the type of work and, and type of <laughs> yes. uh, of values that we want to be promoted? Because at least for my opinion, yes, there's a lot of hard work behind it, but it also like at least on the surface, it's kind of a a, a brand of shallowness but you're still yeah. saying ultimately is that they're doing much much more than than a lot mm-hmm. of these others that are part of this wealth transfer and the, they're, they're doing but, something but, but, they're, they're changing that but, but I, I think if you if you really look at it actually yeah. the Kar- the Kardashians are more Gen 2 mm. and they're not really Gen 3 right because if you look mm. at it it's it's Bruce Jenner and, and uh, what's it uh What's the mother's name? I don't know. You can see how much I know about the Kardashians. But there's, there's Bruce Jenner and the mother, right? Bruce Jenner was a Olympic gold medalist. I don't think, but again, in internet you can look this up and, and fact check me on this. I don't think he came from from wealth. So he would have been the first generation of wealth. Yeah. And then if you look, the, the rest of the family took that and, and ran with it, right? They, yeah. They're, they're uh, right. Uh, the, no, the other father with the Kardashian name, I think, was a lawyer. If I if I remember correctly, okay. the, 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 and the internet it, just just it, we're not going down it, here. Just to, it, we, we kind of sidetrack with the Kardashians, but I think it's just important to say that you know, at what point they come in and put for the the, the wealth side. But, I think that's but, the but I think using side. using them as an ex- of, you know, but I think using them as an as an example that everyone understands. Like yeah. I, I think most of you out there would understand them. Is I think what we would be talking about would be like uh, what, what what's what's Kim's kid's name Northwest or whatever she gave. 
Kardashian, Kim, and and, and, oh. and Kanye gave their their kid a, in my opinion, a really dumb name. But whatever, we can go off that. It was but to I, the point. Like Memphis, <laughs> but uh. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think who would we would be talking about would be their kids. Right. So their so. kids would be the third generation, and not and the Kardashians and the Kim, the Kanyes of the world, and it, not their parents. parents. And number one, so we have number two. two I mean, so we're number three. three. So yeah, then, we're like, North these West. guys um, come from it afterwards. What, how do they do, it and, and what takes it from that point? Because they yeah. come from highly successful, highly educated mm-hmm. um, potential surroundings. Mm-hmm. At this point, mm-hmm. their, their parents may not be, or their grandparents mm-hmm. may not be, but they made it but, to a point. Where then they can be um, uh, world class, first class, educational. System. I mean, I think that that let's, since we're using this pop example, I think the example would be like Northwest. You know, he right. I think it's he is being born into opulence beyond belief. Mm-hmm. He's if he doesn't want to, will will never lack for anything in his life. <laughs> you know, he's he's from probably some of the two biggest stars in the world, mm-hmm. and and likely. Or, or what you've seen consistently is is that the the values that made Kim and Kanye West successful most likely will not be transferred, mm-hmm. and most likely he and I hope not, but but you know most likely what you've seen across the board and time and time and again is he will mostly be just spending the money and won't really have the drive to to build the personal brand or or, or whatever skills that he mm-hmm. might have for himself. And, and it's and, not picking on, on, on the sun. Um, it's more, yeah, again, it's just that this is what's happening, happening time, time and time again, again right? Yeah, yes. And you're seeing that. So what are you doing to, to try and change that, change that viewpoint? So, so kind of where I'm coming from is, is, is what we really do is I'm developing a financial education program uh, with the real idea of, of it's kind of coming from the next generation. I'm kind of a next generation within my family and, and we have an investment firm and we work with families globally. And really trying to push and, and come from sort of a bottom up and, and from other sort of, we call them next gens. This is the next generation. This is where the wealth is going. And creating an educational program created by the next gens for other next gens mm-hmm. with the idea of, of A, sort of, I think one of the things that, that gets lost is, is building this sort of self-awareness that, that actually you do have a lot of control. And I, I think that's sort of another thing too. Is is I think once once you're sort of born into the wealth, all of a sudden the money's all around you. You don't you don't have a sense of where it's come from. Your control around it, it's just kind of there. It's just yeah. sort of your world. And I think it's it's to bring back the control and awareness and, and and put the let's call it free will or whatever you want to call it in, into these people's hands and go like, hey, like no, actually, like once you take over, because at some point you will. Yeah. And at some point you're you're gonna have to be the one who makes decisions, and you, you're gonna have this responsibility. Yeah. Um, and so getting people aware of that, um, getting people aware that, that they can do a lot with that, but then also getting people aware that like, okay, if you're not going to work for it, then actually there's not going to be a lot that you can do. So if we can build up sort of the, on one side of the awareness that, that you are in this, this position and there's sort of, um, I can't believe I'm about to do this, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to quote Spider-Man right now. <laughs> You know, with great power comes great responsibility. Yes. You're, you're in the, you are in these positions of power, and so you have this responsibility, and you have this ability to step up, and and take you know, Northwest or whoever. I mean, it, we don't have to go that big, but but you have this, you have this power, you have the responsibility to, to step up and, and and use it for for different things, right. but then also to, to to build the skills to allow you to do so. Because if if you, you know, awareness is always step one, but getting the skills and the confidence and 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 practicing and training is step two for you to be able to actually continue to do something 
with it. And that's sort of what I want to set up is sort of this opportunity to, to, to do the skills building, to, to also to, to create a community to bring all these people together who are in a, let's say, a, a similar life circumstance. Yeah. Right. So sort of they're from these next generations. They've kind of been born into to wealth. They've had that around them. Um, and I think so. So you have this sort of common ground. Yeah. And, and, it, and it is sort of the type of thing that that, you know, there's only so many of these people in any one geography. In general, they, they might not necessarily know each other. So there'll be, you know, a handful in Denmark, a handful in the States, a handful mm-hmm. in, in Eastern Asia. But if we can really sort of connect them and bring them all together, they can sort of realize like, oh, like. We have this niche community. We can support each other, and and we can do these 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 great things. And you, it's not like you know this secret deal club you're thinking about. It, it's also that about doing things that also impact the world as well at the same time, right? And it's taking it's, it to the to not the other level, just so that our listeners can and readers can. So so I think this is this is one thing that that I've been really sort of uh, deliberating on w- w- with putting this together. It's it's uh, right now. Um, I would argue that we're we're in the middle of an impact in ESG and sustainability hype, and I think we're we're approaching the top of the hype cycle, and and for me, right now it's somewhat of a semantics thing. Is is I want to sort of create something timeless, mm-hmm. and I believe that that what we're trying to really focus on is, is the actual uh, taking responsibility for your actions and realizing that if you're in these positions of power, right. you you do have a, a huge influence on the types of things that can continue, you know, it, it's sort of I don't, right now we're, we're, we're talking a lot about sort of the big tech giants and and, and their relationship in, into the world. And, and, you know, they did a lot of things that we weren't aware of. And, and now that we're aware of them, we're, we're not completely comfortable about it. Yeah. Um, and and I think that when you're in these sort of positions where you, you know, you're writing big checks, you, you can decide in a lot of ways, you know, what startups do become successful, or not conses- yeah. successful by essentially starving them of, of capital. We can decide, you know, what technologies and applications of technologies are successful or not because of, of mm-hmm. what, you know, do, do we do we do VHS or Betamax? Well, if, if, you know, we decided to fund Betamax more than we, that probably would have been the successful, just just these types of things. And these people are in positions where they, they unknowingly are, are making, I mean, right now I would argue that they're unknowingly making these decisions and are not really sort of conscious and aware of the types of decisions that they're, that they're in the position to do. Mm-hmm. And I think if we, we build up that awareness of like no like like the financial decisions that you're making by choosing to make an investment or not making an investment or, or other things um, this is on a little bit more higher macro level not not as much on a, a it's sort of still a, a vote with your dollar type of thing but maybe not as much on a on your day-to-day activities but more on a, yeah. on a on a bit of a higher level business activities um, but it's, it's it's a similar concept um, and this is where I think it, it comes on the impact of, of we go hey like because of your position in society, you're going to have an, a larger influence on this direction. Yeah. And, and so, so you need to take responsibility for that. And then I sort of think that, and this is just my opinion, but, but I, I'm, I'm a pretty optimistic humanist in, in my general beliefs. I, I believe in humanity. I, I, think, I think we're progressing. <laughs> I, I think we're doing these great things. I think people are awesome. Yeah. Um, I sort of believe that, that once you give people the awareness that this is the position that they're in, I don't think most people want to invest in things that make the world worse. Yeah. It is what knowingly. I would, knowingly, knowingly, yeah. knowingly. In this day and age, you may have seen it in the last generation or the generations yeah. before that. No, but. but even so, but I, I don't think knowingly, it's especially where we are now, is I, I would argue it's, it's, you know, 
I don't think anyone knowingly, for example, wants the plant to heat up by four or five degrees. Yeah. I don't think people knowingly want to destroy the, I mean, that's a, I actually, to some extent, am more worried about what we're doing to the oceans than what we're doing to the air of, of kind of where we are today. Because I think we're a bit less focused and it's much bigger. And, and if you've seen, you know, the, the trash continent in the middle of, mm-hmm. of, of the Pacific and, and of, like, and I think we're, the awareness around that problem is, is much farther than, let's say, the awareness around climate change as yeah. an example. Um, but I don't think anyone actively wants that. No, everyone wants to be able to, to breathe the air. Everyone wants to be able to drink the water. Everyone wants good food for their their children. Every, all these things. It, I, I don't think anyone actively doesn't want those things. Yeah. Like, like there's, I don't think there's any sort of you know Bond villain that 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 is really like, oh, I want to destroy the world. Like, 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 I don't think that person exists. One billion dollars. dollars. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think that person exists. Like, realistically, yeah. or, or or if they exist, there's very very few of them. Yeah. Because they're on a secluded island somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and we but don't. No, they were on a secluded island, but because of global warming, they're ba- uh, they're, they're drowning. Underwater. <laughs> they're drowning. Yeah. They're they're all secretly on the moon or something. Like, I guess it's. <laughs> I I don't realistically think that that that's what they really want. And I, I do think I think that that especially where we are right now today, um, comparatively to where we've we've been historically. Uh, I would argue we, we've kind of moved, if you look at the problems from, historically, I would argue one of the biggest problems for humanity has been a, a problem of, of, of lack, mm-hmm. historically, of, of we haven't had enough resources to go around, and because we haven't had enough resources to go around, it, we've been sort of really focused on, on sort of the production problem, is, yeah. is, is what I would call it. Um, but if you look at where we are today, we've more or less solved the production problem, yeah. I, I, I would argue. Global, globally, the biggest problem right now is not really about like we need to produce more of something because there's like not enough. Um, uh, today, I would say that the bigger problem right now is actually we've gotten like way too good at producing things, mm-hmm. and our overproduction is causing lots of other problems. Uh, you could see it in, 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 let's say, you know, obesity, pollution. Like, um, I would argue a bigger problem right now is the, the distribution problem of of we could probably feed most of the world and house most of the world, blah, 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 but resources are concentrated in areas and, and not sort of sure. fil- filtering to sort of where they're needed. But even with that being the case, uh, poverty's been, been, been going down exponentially. Hunger's been going down exponentially. We're still like in a non-ideal system, mm-hmm. doing very, on a historical context, doing very, very well on, on lowering yeah. a, a lot of these, these, these things that, that for humanity, we don't really want. Um, so, so I do think that that we, we are in this unique moment where, let's say, the the challenges that are being faced for for the the next generation of financial decision makers are sort of different than the the challenges that were faced from the previous financial decision makers. And then there is this sort of thing that that we can make, you know, if you want to call them more sustainable or impact or whatever decisions, we can make that because at this point it's not sort of a oh, we need to produce another whatever amount of food otherwise people are starving yeah. of this is we can say like oh if we don't produce this more amount of food which will add you know co2 to the atmosphere and use up extra water blah, blah, blah. oh no they probably still won't be starving but but we can funnel those resources into something else exactly mm-hmm. So no, so you got these people together and you, you're building this. What would happen if you didn't solve this problem? Where would you see this going? 
I think there's a couple of, of different things. So one, sort of like what I, what I mentioned before, I think a lot of the, the, the millennials who are sort of inheriting this wealth, um, I think a lot of them would squander it. <laughs> to be honest, kind of something what we said before, every three generations, they tend to, to lose it. I think a lot of them would would squander it, would, would not really know what to do with it, would um, uh, spend it on, on things that, that don't really matter, mm-hmm. um, on, on is, one, is one side. Um, I think on the second side, as opposed to improving the family business and taking that legacy or, of, of what um, that money could do, and I, I mean, I, I mean, I think other people's world, or I, I think that that's that's one element of it. But I think just in general, of of you know, they we have this concept of a they live a more playboy whatever lifestyle, spend the money and and etc. And and then the, the money would sort of disappear and go towards whatever they spent their you know. Lamborghinis and mansions and mm-hmm. blah 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 and, and that stuff probably won't won't last right. Um, so there, there's that element to it. I think there's another element of okay, maybe they they do get investments or whatever, but they don't necessarily know what investments they're getting into. They don't know the the consequences of them. They they don't have a sense of of really sort of sort of where their wealth is going and, and the types of changes that they're mm-hmm. they're responsible for. So it's the waste of opportunity Indeed. basically at the same time and, and reducing that waste mm-hmm. and making sure that you can get the most out of it. I I would think I, I would think that's the sort of the bigger thing. I think that there's the big opportunity of, of, of okay, so what what would realistically probably happen if if we sort of think about it, especially in like a, a, an investment context, is so we have this thirty, sixty trillion dollars, right? Over the next two, three decades that is being changed hands for who's making decisions. Mm-hmm. And I think if, if they're not educated realistically, what's probably going to happen is that certain professionals who might not have these people's interests in mind will take advantage of the situation yeah. and you'll start to see it funneled towards, towards private banks, maybe lawyers, consultancies, these types of things because... This middle management. So basically you're just replacing that middle management phase as such getting not replacing it but making sure that these guys and girls are educated to the point where they understand what's going on they understand the fundamentals of business and they understand what position they're in can really make something happen Um, and then having that that kind of quadrant of things tying in together would also ultimately make um, this a better place moving forward sure I I think that that, that's really what I what I kind of hope hope to happen from this, and then I, I also sort of think there's a big thing for me is is if you look at at the ecosystem, what I would argue from from my experience on the, the investment side is I would argue there there's not a lot out there mm. to improve the quality of investors. Yeah. There, there's a lot out there to improve the quality of, of, of companies or or management or or founders or 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 well, what yeah, as an entrepreneur you have a wealth of resources you you can go to, but. As, As an, an investor, investor, you kind of been made into an investor because you've done well at something else. Oops. Like if you have made your money in being a doctor, or if you made your money in um, being a CEO for a pharmaceutical company, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. it doesn't really make you qualified to be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. or, 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 t- or you know investors an entrepreneur, right? Or or that or but I, mean, I think there's that. I agree with that. Is it yeah, doesn't necessarily they're definitely different skill sets. But I think also, but there's there are some communities that I, I don't want to sort of downplay the, the work that people are doing out there because there are some communities that the different angel networks for example are, are doing some great stuff of, of trying to help but but across the board for whatever reason it's been sort of looked at that like oh once you become an investor you're sort of the the pinnacle of the mountain yeah. so to speak 
and there's not really more that you could be doing to to be better at it or or mm. or to do it in a better mm. way or or so on and so forth they just go oh no these people just kind of put money around here and the I, ones that have done it before oh. successfully will always continue to do it because the technology is the same and the future is the same and <laughs> I, 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 I was being sarcastic by the way I mean there are certain there are certain skills but 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 in general I, I what I've seen is, is there's not as much of, of trying besides like like almost masterminding a little bit which is certainly good but there's not really things of like let's systematically try to improve the baseline yeah. of the investor pro- profession and, and by skills training is and i think that's one of the real things that we're trying to do here is is part of this is, is really around skills training and kind of like what you said before um the first one that we're, we're putting together right now is is focused on the direct investment process mm. so so how you know how do you create an investment strategy how do you source on that investment strategy how do you then do your diligence how do you then structure what your investments and and, and, and these types so of that's right. that's the first yeah. one, um, but we'll have other ones on other topics. Um, but I, I sort of, I always sort of like to think of of you know. The if you think of let's say a profession like a game, then the quality of the players will determine like the quality of the game. Yeah, you know, and it's always sort of you know look at any professional sport right. The, more, the higher the quality of players, the more interesting the game tends to be, and they, they tend to operate at a higher level. And I think if we can bring the space into a, a higher level, then we can operate a, at a higher level, and we can do better things overall, whatever those things mm-hmm. might be. But we, we can we can do them better. We can do them more efficiently. We can we can just we can also do them more interestingly, and 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 have sort of a more diverse way of dealing with it, which will ultimately I think lead to to better uh, a better world and better solutions. And that that's. A different aspect of this that I really want is I think the next gen space and and the ones who I think in a lot of circumstances historically have kind of outsourced a lot of these services. So like the financial advising and well, what's going you know, going to private banking, banking and then putting your portfolio into blue chips yeah. and long term bonds or, or or fund managers or or whatever yeah. is 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 essentially you go okay or, or think of your pension fund or, or whatever you go okay I'm going to put my money here. This person's dealing with it, and Which I, the ironic thing is that most VCs get their money from pension funds. Yeah, <laughs> in in the, in the end, mm. so actually, you're saying that yeah, I'm just gonna put it here, let, let them sit on it, but they will then turn around yeah. and say, well, we need to do something with that mm-hmm. money as well, and yeah. then put it across to. But that's sort of the whole point. Is is usually what tends to happen is is and you as an individual, depending if you're going into a fund or a pension fund or whatever, which is probably the more standard way most people are doing it, you end up becoming two, three four degrees of separation away mm-hmm. from where your money's actually going. Yeah. So this is like basically the growth of, of um, really smart LPs that will go across the board, um, not only into large companies and, and other areas from the family funds, what they're doing, but also looking to make them direct investors as well and saying, actually, you don't need to have this. You, you can have the acumen quite quickly of what to look for in a company that is passionate and burning for you. It doesn't mean that all these companies, just because they're the next best thing that you should do something with, but here are the ones that you could do something with because here's your skill sets alike. Is it, is it more towards that? or I think I think that's a good way of, of, of framing one of the things that we're trying to do with it is, is I think I think one of the big things is just getting people more engaged in the process mm-hmm. and, 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 and also sort of getting them engaged in a way that makes sense for them yeah. and, and like what you were saying and I think something I touched on before is, is, is building up sort of this self-awareness 
both on sort of, okay, what are your skill sets? And so kind of where, where can you play? But also, you know, all right, what is it that you really want to sort of happen with your investments? What, what is it that you want to be the outcome of your investments? Um, and I think more and more so, and, and for me, I think this, this is connected to the types of problems that we are facing generationally, more and more so, you know, we don't really need systematically, we don't particularly need more money in the system. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I'd almost argue we have way too much money on this. And, and realistically, if you, this is probably a, a, a conversation for another day. If you look at the yeah. way the system's set up, it's designed to basically print money out of thin air. I have a feeling I'll probably get a lot of flack on this on the, yes, on the internet. Yes, yeah. But, but if, but if you're dealing with the comments on episode <laughs> number one. Yes. <laughs> but if, if you understand the banking system, and I want to try to summarize this, essentially banks don't need to have the physical assets on their books, and they can have something like nine times the amount mm. of, of, of digital assets. So whenever they get like a new dollar, they can claim they have nine. And and so so they can essentially create money out of thin air. And there's certain, let's say, progressive economists that don't agree with this but whatever it's it's the system is designed to just essentially print money like like capitalism is designed that way mm-hmm. and the way our current central banks are set up are designed that way and so if you think that that we essentially have created this machine to create lots and lots of money we don't necessarily need more ways to create money into the system like the system is going to produce as much money as you want that's the way the central banks are set up um, so you can start to do other things with with this and with this growth, and and I think that that the more we we get people aware and and, and active and working in these directions, I think I think it's better. Um, and nice. it, and I, and I think if if you start to look at, you know, some of the discussions around things like the the SDGs and and, and so on and so yeah. forth, um, if you if you try to do all of them, it gets very daunting. Well, yeah, I th- you know, touching upon that, and I think we'll cover that in episode two as well. But as we talk about impact yeah. more and, and the impact scene, yeah. but it's really daunting because not only you have these seventeen SDGs that cover from peace and justice yeah. to life and water, life on land, yeah. sexual equality, yeah. but then also the last one is partnership for all the yeah. other goals, yeah. and 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 there's multiple subcategories yeah. and sub goals yeah. underneath as to, yeah. to what it could affect. So I think it's really important we look at. You know, people just understand that you're right, as you said earlier on, there is a wave and a um, kind of a, a buzz going on with impact and sustainability. It's about harnessing it in the right way and putting it, we're not just impacting and just going down philanthropy 2.0. Yep. I agree with you, but I, the point I was going to try to make coming out of this, oh, you, <laughs> yeah, which is which is fine, was, was more so that if you look at it as a whole, it becomes very, very daunting and it seems like yeah. we, we have Sorry. all these problems. And, 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 you know, humanity's screwed and, and all these things. But but I think when you can, the real way that it's going to happen, and I, I'm kind of, again, pretty optimistic about this, is we don't actually need you as an individual to solve all 17 SDGs. No. We need you to sort of figure out, like, exactly. which are the ones that, one or two, but realistically, we need you to work on, like, one. And not even, like, one full SDG, we, just one of the sub-KPIs like like there's a 200 i think it's more than 250 subcategories across the 17 we need you to be passionate about like one of those if you're passionate about like one of those mm-hmm. they're probably you know the way that i think about it is 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 to solve let's say a single kpi would probably take let's be generous a million people working on it yeah and i i think that's an overestimate but but let's say a million people who are dedicated to work on that KPI 
would probably be enough. It's probably less than that. I, I think it's probably in the tens of thousands or whatever, but let's say a million. Let's, let's, let's be generous here, right? Um, if we then duplicate that, right? We have 250, so we need, let's, let's be generous here, 250 million people to be working on it. We have 8 billion people on the planet, so we're looking at one, if my math's correct, off, I'm just doing it off the top of my head, this is not scripted, I think 132nd. So we need 132nd of the planet working on this to, for it to, to happen. Um, and I think that's just more of a, the show of, of okay, let's, let's get you on to like, all right, what's the thing that you want to be working on? What's the problem that's passionate about you? But not only that, let's, let's give you the ability to be aware of what your passions are. Yeah. And some of the skills so that you can actually make a difference as, as well as sort of an understanding of, of, of your place mm-hmm. in, in, the, in, the, in the ecosystem. Yeah. And, and I think kind of what, connecting a little bit to what you were saying before of, of you know, how 17 is the partnerships, it's, it's you know, for the, the, the group that I'm looking at, the next gens. And I think to some extent, this is one of the things that I think is missing from the SDGs right now. Is, is I think they did a really good job of looking, let's say taking from, let's say the, the MDGs to the SDGs, they did a really good job of being like, oh, where we, we kind of overlooked in the MDGs was, was the role of business mm-hmm. in, in this process. What I think the SDGs missed was the role of investors in the financial markets. And, and, and I think for whatever, the, the, if you don't think there's gonna be a next one, you're, you're, you don't understand how this works. <laughs> there's going Trust to be. In 2025, we won't be calling it SDGs anymore. No, no, no. Because, uh, in, in 2025, we will be calling it SDGs because this is going to 2030. Yeah. But starting, let's, I'm going to put it out there. Uh, what's, we're in 2019. You can, you can quote me on this and look back and tell me <laughs> if I was an idiot or, or whatever. In, let's call it 2028, you're going to start to hear the UN talk about what the, let's say 2030, I bet you it's going to be for 2050. So the, the next DGs. The, the next, yeah, the next DGs, whatever, whatever, whatever they call it. Next DG. DG. Next DGs. Um, I'm going to trademark that right now. So, so you had Next DGs, I'll trademark that uh, right after this podcast is over. So, UN, you know, you're going to have to pay me for those rights. Um, um, anyway, so in 20, this would be my guess. Not that I know, but, but let's, you know, pretend we can predict the future. Uh, 2028, they're going to announce what the next ones are. My guess it's going to be 2030 to 2050. That seems like something that kind of makes sense to me, but who knows? Um, And that'll be whatever that is. And I think what I would predict today is that what they're going to learn from this round, because again, it's a a learning process and it's about getting better, is that, oh, we forgot about the role that that investors and and, and capital and finance plays in the the ecosystem. And at least for me, Right now with the SDGs, there's there's not really a lot that are really targeting like how do we we engage the investment community to also be supporting this. It, there has been a little bit of, of like you know the there has been a little bit of a like a cost analysis of, of some of these things. You see that the, the SDGs are worth X trillion mm. in business, and and you kind of go, well, yes, I know. Of course, yeah. people, people can do business within it, but I think they they tried to now too late. Yeah, I think you got it. They said, well, actually, these SDGs are worth something to the to the industry. They're worth something to business. Here's something for it, but but, but, it's, but it's an afterthought as opposed to being built in from day one. There's that, but I also don't think that um, there was a real sense of of like how should the finance community participate. 
And I think only now they're starting to say, you're talking about investment opportunities, but also they've been a little bit more of like, okay, like what what, what is the amount of investment we need to be supporting these things? Mm-hmm. That's kind of all they've done so far, but there hasn't been really much more so where they have done that with the business. That was sort of what I would say the first learning was from the MDGs to the SDGs, they, they realized, oh, like we need the business community. If the business community is not on board, this is not gonna really happen. Wow. And so they started to, to really push towards like, you know, what's the best way to get the business community on board? And I think they did a, I don't think they did a perfect job, but I think they did an okay job in the SDGs of, of really like, okay, how do we engage the business community? And I think the next step is going to be, you know, how do we engage the finance investment community and get them on board in a more, in a bigger way than just being like, oh, we need this much money and there's this opportunity here. And, and, and you know. But that's well, literally what they've done. Right. They said, we, we need this much investment <laughs> to make this, this much. much. And as an investor, you go, I, I don't get the connect. I mean, like, is it SDG one will be able to equate to this much, or SDG yeah. sub goal thirty five will give me this much? It's, it's a real big disconnect. Yeah, and 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 so that, so that's what I, I don't know, that's what I think that the next next step with that is going to be, um, and then coming back to sort of what I'm trying to do in the problem I'm trying to sort of is to prepare the investment community. No. To, to be able to take that role and, and be in a position that they, they have the right skills to to when it becomes time and when we start to, let's say as a global community, try to engage the investor community, I'm gonna say in a more proper way, yeah. that, that there'll be people in the community who'll be ready to, to step up and be like, hey, all right, yeah, we're gonna take this on, we know how to do it, we have some of the skills, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's, that's, that's what I'm, I'm trying to do. Um, with that and and right now we're really focusing on 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 working with families because we, we think that the families sort of naturally have a lot of these values and it's a, it's a little bit different than, than working with with more of, of a bank or whatever I think they naturally have these values so the family but, offices and family I, funds will by nature sure. have that that kind of connection yeah so I mean yeah we're sort of focusing on the three main groups which would be family offices which are sort of you know essentially family investment firms, mm-hmm. uh, high net worth, so individually wealthy people and their families that maybe don't have an official structure or, or a company around it, and then sort of wealthy family businesses. Because mm-hmm. in essence, these are the three that are, are going to be the ones, and, and at least from what we've seen, they, they tend to be more values-driven and they tend to to naturally want these types of, of things, um, as well as I think what we're starting to see more and more right now in the, in the community is is that Historically, they've gone to to these private banks or, or or advisors or so on and so forth, and now they're starting to actually internalize a lot of those mm-hmm. skills and competencies. Um, and so, so the question really becomes: is like, okay, how how can we then then prepare to, to take advantage of these skills and competencies? As well as I do think, and and I, we haven't really gotten into this and this this topic, but especially if if you're in a more entrepreneurial mindset, and I, and I, I honestly believe that the world. Is going in a more and more entrepreneurial direction, kind of every every year that passes. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of, I believe, you kind of have to, are going to have to start to be more and more entrepreneurial minded. Um, and what we kind of see across the board is that usually the best organizations are, are the most diverse organizations. Yeah. And what I think what's what's really happening now and in general is is that, and I think this has kind of always been a problem is is that people are not utilizing the different generations in the best way. Mm-hmm. And that what you're starting to see is that 
not just on, on let's say, a, an ethnic or, or gender diversity, which is, is, I would say right now is a big focus on, okay, let's make things ethnically and gender diverse, yeah. which I think is really great. And, and it's, it's, we've, we've, uh, I've, I'm actually right now, I was interviewed in, in Hungarian media on, on gender diversity and, and the fact that women have been undervalued in the, in the marketplace, especially in, in the finance world. And you're starting to see a market correction on that. Um, and, and right now there's still a big opportunity because it's still undervalued, which means it's underpriced. Um, and so you can you can take advantage, you can arbitrage it. Um, but I think there's an even bigger one, and I think especially right now, there's a bigger one on age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't think people are really considering, let's say, the value of the younger generations in, in the way they think. And especially with, with uh, we're in a unique moment where A, we have the millennials who are taking over all this wealth, and it's the biggest wealth transfer in the history of humanity. They're getting it from the baby boomers. But B, millennials are basically the first digitally native generation ever. So, so they naturally, for basically for no other reason than being a millennial, have this skill that no other generation before them has. For, for the most for the most part, I don't yeah, I don't want to I don't want to downplay the people the, the older generations who've learned the digital. You've had to learn it as yeah, opposed to being born mm, with it and yeah, immersed with it from day one. It's very very different. Yeah, I think yeah. like in the same way we were speaking a language. Yes. Like if you're born with a language and, and and it comes from you from that as opposed to learning it from a different point within your life. Yeah. you always have that that element that comes from before that point. Yes. Right? So you, I always have an English accent whenever mm. I speak. Trust me, mm. if I try and speak Danish, mm. you'll hear it. Mm. Mm. <laughs> but I mean, like, ultimately, is that and you will have that same okay. thing? I think even with us, sure. we had to learn it. Um, but my my children, for example, they were mm. then automatically swiping the TV, mm. yeah. or going up to big screens and seeing mm. if they can scroll mm. down. Yep. Yeah. And and I th- and I think the thing about it is is the world is becoming more and more more digital, and so I think you have to sort of start to integrate that into your organizations. Yeah. And and the one thing about it though is is there are some some skills that are let's say not related to digital skills or other types of skills that, that the older generations have that, that kind of need to be imparted on the next generation and help them be trained for so that they are let's say most able to take advantage of their digital skills yeah. and their their digital nativeness um, and it just it's just a really really interesting I I think I kind of I mean, in a position where I think every year is, is, is essentially the greatest year to be alive. Like like every additional year, <laughs> like this is the year that's the greatest year to be alive. Yeah. And then the next year, I'm like, oh no, it's. And I think we're we're we're, we're progressing in that way that like every additional year that passes is is like this is this has been the greatest year to be alive. Wow. Um, and I think part of that is is just just the opportunities that have been opened up because of of digitization and, and the digital world. Um, but yet still, for whatever reason, a lot of organizations and especially in finance. Are not sort of looking at like oh instead of sort of seeing like the next generation as sort of let's call it an experienced liability to start looking at them as like oh they have a unique skill set that that we can fit into our organization and take advantage of we have a different unique skill set as is whatever the managers or the the executives and so on and we want to integrate that to for the the let's say robustness of the organization as a whole mm-hmm. and instead of sort of seeing them like you know and there's certain things that yeah sure that, that there are probably certain skills with organizational skills or whatever that the millennials will learn as they're more and more in the workforce and and work their way up and just just from from working right but there are also these skills that that companies need and don't know anything 
don't have any way to, to deal with now for the most part um, that millennials to some extent naturally have yeah. and I think the, the quicker that organizations um, embrace this the, the, the better off they'll be yeah. and, the, and the ones that don't embrace it are, are going to be irrelevant soon mm-hmm. um, and I actually I was, I was speaking at an event in Paris a couple of days ago and I, I mentioned that that if, if I were an organization what I would be doing is find some millennials and essentially do, do two things. One, start to apprentice them. Um, I kind of think that sort of a more apprentice style work should, should, should come back. I, I think that'd be very, very valuable. And then two, sort not of- Not just the show, because Donald J is- No, no, is no, 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 not the show, not, <laughs> not, not the show. No, no, that, that's a, I don't think that's a, a working style. I think that's just- okay. <laughs> But I'm saying <laughs> that's a different uh, that's a different bag of worms. <laughs> but what sort of learning through apprenticeship and and, yeah. and 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 mentorship and this type of thing, I think it's starting to make a comeback a little bit. But I actually think it, it should be pushed much 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 harder. But but the other thing too is is in a fundamental way, use your millennials to engage with the other millennials. And, and realize that like millennials are going to be the the biggest. And they're, I think they're. I was seeing some statistics. I think they're almost there, of being like the biggest consumer group and, and and these types of things. They're very very close to being, you know, the major uh, generational group in the marketplace. But if you're not sort of speaking you know, eye to eye on this, which is at this point like, if you aren't a digital native trying to speak to a digital native, you're not speaking eye to eye. So you should get millennials on your team to speak eye to eye. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like we've kind of gone off really far is, is our idea is, is really to try to bring back to, 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 to really sort of upskill those millennials yeah. so that they're they're more useful and valuable and, and that they can do more. And, and also to some extent, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer of of where the world's going is, is you're gonna be much more in control of your destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, assuming that you have sort of competencies and, and the confidence to do so. Well, now in this uh, this time, more than any, any other time y- before. Y- yes, and, and I think it, it, I think that's only going to to, to continue. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to go more in that direction. I think we're doubling down. Um, one of the things that I, I find really there are just two just random statistics that I find mm-hmm. really really interesting. Um, and actually thinking about it now, I'm not, I'm not sure the second one's appropriate, but whatever. We, maybe we'll discuss it. Maybe we won't. Um, from what I last that I heard and the last time I saw it, right now, e-commerce is only about fifteen percent of the total sales in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And if if you don't think like that's going to expand to forty fifty, there's always going to probably be some kind of physical marketplace. But as it, opposed it, it, to retail, you're saying and, and physical, some some yeah. kind of physical stores or or whatever is it really only 15 percent? yes yes 15 to 85 and then we're seeing from that 15 percent the struggle and demise of so many brick and mortar retailers but the thing but you have to understand right is it's 15 to 85 but that 15 is in a since what 95 Mm. like when 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 can we really say e-commerce started right Mm. So, so e-commerce has been on this slow exponential, and now the exponential is taking off, right? And now what we're probably, I, I don't have the, the graph out there. Again, internet, you'll probably tell me I'm, I'm wrong and full of shit and, and whatever. <laughs> but I'm sure now at this point, it's probably taking a couple percentage points, if not more, every year. Okay. Right, right, yeah. shifting, right? But for the first, let's say, decade plus 10 to 15 years, it was probably only 
you know, less than 1% right. of the total thing for the first, you know, from, from let's say, 95 to maybe 2010. Or yeah. I forget. I don't know. I don't have that graph off the, sitting in front of me. You know, it, it was probably such a small sliver of the market. And then all of a sudden, it, it hit the, the growth curve. And now it's picking up more and more. And sure, I think there's probably going to be some space for 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 a physical marketplace, right? Retail or, or whatever. But I do think we're, we're moving to a place where at least for, for let's say, a lot of items, it's, it's going to be e-commerce. Yep. And, and we're, we're a long ways away from, from, from where that saturation is. I mean, if, if we're saying the real number is, I don't know, let's, let's put it in a range, 15 to 20% is, is the real number. Yep. We, I would say minimally that's gonna double minimally but but i could easily see that becoming 50 60 maybe even 70 percent of the entire market Mm -hmm. so we have another 30 to 50 percent growth in the e-commerce space of of it taking share Mm -hmm. from the physical retail space and then you're starting to say that okay when we start to think in digital commerce terms of a digital native versus a non-digital native and 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 where this is going and 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 where sort of did you know where where do the digital natives want to make their purchases, no. and so on and so forth? It, to me, this becomes becomes very very obvious. Or, or, or I don't know. I I would list this out there, but it, it kind of blew my mind of, of just talking about this. This is, is something I, I find crazy, but but also amazing, and, and, and it's just worth touching on. I read an article recently that said, listen to this: just the drunk e-commerce purchase market. So the drunk impulse e-commerce purchase market is close to fifty billion dollars a year. This is actually quite crazy. You mentioned this as well. Isn't that crazy? Like, isn't yeah. there talking like the kebabs of the world or the the domain name that you think you really, really no, need? No, no, no. Is I'm it? not even. Not even uh, the article. Was, was it like, QVC shopping? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's literally, at least from my understanding, it was literally like people. Let I don't know. Let's. It is Friday, right? Let's say we went out for drinks tonight, no. got a bit drunk or whatever. We go home and we decide. You know what I really need right now? We go to Amazon. We click buy. We wake up tomorrow. I know any other retailer, <laughs> or, or, or whatever. <laughs> I'm using Amazon because it's the biggest in the world. And if you look at the statistics, I, th- I think it's, it's of the drunk purchases. It's, it's somewhere I think in forty to fifty percent so of all. You go to Amazon, you buy, you, you, you say, you, "Oh, I really, really want that," and I kind of, "I'm going to buy this now." Yeah, I'm going to buy this now. Something you couldn't do beforehand, right? You couldn't uh, go. What oh, you could do. You could go to Walmart at three o'clock in the morning but, and say, but, but even, "I really want this." But but even then, what that's probably only been in the last couple decades yeah. like, like like i would imagine I, I think the closest equivalent and i don't know how old this is would have been you know what's it late night qvc yeah. you know the infomercials of 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 but but think of the it, from from a user experience think of like how complicated that process would have been yeah. for for you to to actually make a purchase from these late night infomercials i'm sure there was some Right, and but, but uses the mechanisms yeah. for that. But you know, ultimately, is that you take it from a completely different way. Is that these infomercials gave you one product? They gave you the one product that they wanted you, you to buy. buy. Yeah. Whereas now you can turn around and go, what do I want to buy? And how do and, and, it's there. and then you can make an impulse buy on it. Yeah. But they gave a really great, great example in this article, which I at least I found really funny. Was uh, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but someone was watching the Super Bowl, and if you're ever in the Super Bowl in the states, it's 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 the second biggest eating and drinking day in America. Is that behind Thanksgiving? Behind Thanksgiving. Really? Yes. <laughs> it's the second biggest eating, and I think it's definitely eating day in terms of, I don't know, amount of food or money spent, or, or I forgot this is. Wow. Behind Thanksgiving. So it's, it's a big part, it's a big party, but party in a different way. 
you know, house parties and, and viewing parties and people drinking and eating all, all day. And they were saying this this guy, so he's watching the Super Bowl, drinking while the game is going. The halftime show of the Super Bowl that year was Justin Timberlake. And what he realized when he woke up the next morning is from watching that Super Bowl performance, he bought Justin Timberlake tickets. And he went, how do now I have two, two $200, you know, a seat, Justin Timberlake tickets for the next time he's playing in my... Wow. You know, it, it's just sort of, he got drunk, he was watching, he goes, hey, this seems really cool. I'm just going to go, <laughs> I'm just going to go, I'm going to find it, I'm going to buy it now. Like, like, and, and then there you go. And there we go. And, and But again, that's a $50 billion in your industry, and I only imagine that's going to rise. I, I don't see that coming down because of how, I mean, I don't personally have it, but you, I mean, you have e-commerce on, on your phone. It's a quick, I want, I don't know. I want to, I, I, I want to, I, I want to. I want a new PlayStation game, I, whatever. I do a quick search, click a button. You probably even forget about it. Even this day and age, I think technology has come so far. Is that I was on Instagram and, and of course, you know, <laughs> looking through, I was, I just came back from the beach and, and I came back in and I was like, oh, I really need this. <laughs> and instead of going, let me find out where I can buy this, I think the mechanisms are in place where they can go, buy this now, no. buy this, watch this advert, watch this, or go to this website and get all the information that you want in your fingertips, in the place where you are, you don't move, well, and you have well, that. Well, did, did you see, I think Instagram, I think this is newish they've yeah. added, that you can literally, like for what you just said, like it'll be on the photo itself. Yes. So you can just click on the item, there'll be a buy button, they'll run it through, whatever. We've seen different incarnations of this beforehand, but now that you've got like a platform like Instagram that has the ability to reach out to many, many millions within a click. Billions. It's, yeah. it's, it's literally billions. Like, like it, it's, it's crazy. Um, and I feel like we're, we're, we're diverting down one path, but, but let's bring this back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Is, is yeah. now, now that's giving people the ability yes. to, to, to now do things on scale and have a personal business on scale in a way that that's never existed before. That there's there's, you know, you whatever it is, and this is kind of building the skills thing. So get people to be able to take advantage of that. Is whatever it is you're passionate about now, you basically most likely assuming you put in the work and you have the skills, or or train yourself to have the skills, you can probably and you know we'll have very levels of of what we define success as, but you could probably build a successful business from it. Certainly a sustainable business, on that. Because you can reach the customers, assuming, assuming there's sort of a product market fit, but you can reach the customers, yeah. and and to some extent, no matter how niche you can get, um, I know I was, I read a lot of different things, and I, I was looking to sort of the a thousand true fan. I don't know if, if you've heard this theory around yeah. the thousand true fans, of basically to to have a business of you can get a thousand true fans that'll give you like a hundred dollars a year, like you you have a, a hundred thousand dollar business. And that's, that's certainly, if you have a $100,000 business, like you are part of the, the richest 1% of the world by far. Like you're, you're comfortably in the, the richest 1% of the world. That That's very- Just put it into context, context as well, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like that is extremely successful. Um, I mean, one of, the, one of the people I really like, I don't think we mentioned before this one is Gary Vee. He's talked about like, if you want more money than that, then you're greedy. Like, 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 if you're already in the top one percent, you go, "Oh, I want more." Like, there's a certain level of greed in that. Like, like you already have more than enough. That's already big successful. But to think about, oh, can I get a thousand people? If if I'm working on it, if I get really sort of targeted and niche 
about my passions. Do, do I think I can find in 8 billion people another thousand people who care about that too? Probably. Yeah. I, I make, you know, if you, if you, and then if you have the skills to execute it on, on it, then, then I think you can be successful in a lot of these things. And I think that that's some of the stuff that, that, and maybe we might not necessarily, maybe we will, I don't know, long-term focus on some of those skills. Um, yeah. but, but that's sort of the idea of, of let's give the people the skills so that they can be in, in, the, in control of their own destiny so that they can sort of create the, the life that they really want and are, and are more are more conscious about it. Um, but the life that they, they truly want as yes. opposed to what they've been perceived to have to have to want or perceived to have to do. Perceived to have to do. And I think, is that why you love the problem so much? Is that the burning thing that you have to go out I, there for? I, I, think, I, think that's the, I think that is part of it. Is, is There's a big thing is... is I, I've been always, and this is a slightly different, let's, let's call this a slightly different problem or, or a different thing, but I think in, in certain ways it's connected and I, get, I think it has roots that, that align and kind of merged into this particular one. Um, but I've always been, let's say, somewhat contrarian about mainstream systems mm-hmm. and, and mainstream ways of doing things. Um, and and I'm not particularly I don't know I've I've never really liked the middle, so to speak. I kind of always like the extremes, and within that, historically, the middle is where everything has been. Yeah. And there's always been sort of this: is you kind of have to go the middle pathway, and you know you 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 go to your company and you get a forty-year job and it's a nine-to-five and and you know for certain people like, I guess that's great and all. But it, it allows you, in a lot of essence, to sort of sleepwalk through life. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the longest period of time, there wasn't really an alternative to. I mean, I guess you 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 had some entrepreneurs, but but entrepreneurship is certainly historically. Um, I mean, it's becoming easier, which is kind of a good or bad thing. But not this is a good or bad thing, but it, it's it, it's making it a bit more competitive because because there's easier access. Um, but historically, right, and in just in general, entrepreneurship is really hard. Historically, you know, the, the failure rate is really low. Historically, people haven't really been sticking with it. And historically, if you think about it, you actually had a real risk that if you were an entrepreneur and you failed, you would be homeless and starving. Yeah. And now we're getting to a point where actually the second way is like a viable option. That realistically, if you fail, you're probably not going to be homeless. Like a lot of people, that's their fear. But unless you've, I don't want to put it necessarily in these terms, but like unless you've really fucked up your your position in society and like don't have a support system, like you're probably not going to be homeless and starving. At least, at least in the Americas, the West, most cities whatever like unless you've really like pissed off like all your friends all your family like like anyone who's really messed up all the way through we can't help you with that there's no helping no no i don't i don't want to go that far (laughs) we can't help (laughs) no i I, i'm not gonna even go that far we we could help and 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 the help on that is is like hey if, if that's where you're at like 
maybe reconsider what you're doing with your life and start get, getting your shit together. <laughs> you use use us here today, and that's not where I imagine this conversation going. No, not at all. <laughs> like like use us as the the drivers for for getting yeah. your personal change and 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 straighten yourself out. And yes, if if that means that okay, maybe you had to burn your previous bridges because you did that, and f- sometimes it happened. But but start from today and, and build up new ones yeah. and and get a new. It's it's. It's funny. Everyone loves a redemption story, and 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 if you, if you genuinely want to be on the path to, to redemption, there are, there are people who are going to help you, and and even like strangers would be willing to help you if, if you're willing to also st- accept what you've done wrong, wrong or, or what, what you didn't do right, right, and then change those as you move forward. Of course, yes. But this is very much different and diverse from the topic of where we are. <laughs> uh, but but coming back, what I was saying is 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 the second path is is a real option, and some of the let's call it existential risks that used to exist don't really exist today. Mm-hmm. And and so so I've sort of, I think I would have tried to be forging my own path regardless. But but now that we're sort of in this position where, where you can forge your own path in a, in a way that's just much more possible and, and there's not as much stigma attached to it and, and so on and so forth, I really want to get it out there of, of, of hey, like, yeah, like you should your own path and and if you can or you want to or whatever and 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 really sort of take control of your life and 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 sort of be the positive force in the world that that you can be um and that that's somewhat of connected of of let's say some of some of the values that that led me to where i am today and then just sort of let's say some of my life experience just mixed in of of how my family is involved in finance and, and then i've been thinking about it i've been very entrepreneurial uh, I know we were talking sort of before we started recording on, on this a little bit. Uh, you were talking about like what was your first really entrepreneurial experience? Mm. And originally, I was sort of thinking. So, so after I, I graduated my undergrad, um, I spent a number of years traveling around the world and teaching English. And, and in the middle, I went to Brazil, and Brazil didn't really have like an established market. So basically, I had to to some extent have my own brand and, and build up. I was doing more corporate training build up my own stable of clients. And, and, mm. and at the time, we weren't really talking that much. This is 2010, 11-ish. We weren't really talking about entrepreneurship, so I didn't really put it into that context and that framework. Right. But thinking back at it now, like, sure, I, I was just an entrepreneur and I had like my own personal business and my personal business was was corporate training for, for managers and above. And you know I had to do all the same things entrepreneurs do. And because I was like 24 to 26 I was probably okay at it but not great and there was probably you know I probably could have been more professional and and definitely at that time I was enjoying life in Brazil it's probably 24 to 26 yeah who would imagine yeah yeah right it's it's I was probably enjoying my life a little bit much and, and not so professional in certain certain circumstances and you know you know a couple of too late nights and not great mornings and and mm-hmm. and Definitely blew off, you know, canceled some things that probably, you know, in, in retrospect, it wasn't a great idea. Um, so so I, I was thinking like, oh, no, maybe that was the first moment. But I was thinking actually coming even before that, it hadn't occurred to me of, of putting this into an entrepreneurial context. Uh, even when I was doing my undergrad, um, I was involved with this, this student group. At, at, I went to UC Berkeley. I was involved with a student group called Students for Hip Hop. Um, I'm a big music person kind of broadly across the board. They were a cool group. And one of the things that they did was we put on hip hop music festivals. And we did a grassroots build up a festival from scratch mm-hmm. every year, and then you know we did the the fundraising and the booking and whatever. And and I mean, yes, I guess that's not technically a business, 
but it's it's using all these these entrepreneurial right. skills and, and and building a product and and getting out there and marketing and, and it's a business at the end of the day. Of course, you know that you you put on the service and people pay for that service. I mean, also the, I mean, it was a free festival, but 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 people sure. as in like in sponsors partners, someone paid for it ultimately. Yes, exactly. Um, so. and, and we have to sell it and then convince people to yeah. get on board and and I. I it's really funny. I hadn't even thought of thinking about that experience of my life in this way. But but from our conversation before we were recording, it occurred to me like, oh, like no, I was being even entrepreneurial even no. before that. Like like, in, in building these events and, and whatever, there was a, a very kind of entrepreneurial element to it. Of of those were always very bootstrapped, and we we had a really small budget, and and you know we were always kind of hustling. And and I remember, I don't know, just as a as a funny funny story, me, me and my friends within the in the group uh, we, we'd make flyers and we would always pick a day and we'd go into San Francisco one particular day <laughs> yeah. no we'd well, wait we, for it and then let the tide to come in <laughs> yeah but it was just well, we, we were trying to be sort of efficient about this you know yeah. it's, it's funny Berkeley I was like as a college student Berkeley and San Francisco are really close to each other mm. but at the same time Berkeley's yeah. like a little bubble and you kind of get trapped in that bubble and, and so you I didn't really start going into San Francisco a lot yeah. until my friends started graduating and then moving there. And then I'd start to go, oh, I want to go see my friends. So I'd start to go more regularly. But like while I was sort of in the, you know, the university community, I wasn't really going that often. But we would sort of pick a day and, and we'd want to sort of, you know, streamline this all at once where we would just like hit up major areas and flyer the hell out of them. Just, <laughs> just like every lamppost, every like, <laughs> just, just do it and just, you know, try to do it efficiently. And then we'd... At the end of that, we'd hit like three or four major areas in, in San Francisco. We'd all go out to Hot Pot and go eat unlimited Hot Pot and, and just gorge ourselves on, on meat and, and different things. And it was, it was <laughs> always a everything. And it was just sort of, you know, that sort of grassroots hustle Love lifestyle. It. Like, like th- that was my roots. And I'm talking, I was doing that in 2005. So we're talking fif- it's almost 15 <laughs> years now. Um, so it is sort of bringing these things together and I think that that's one of the things is, is sort of so I had this root of uh, roots of, of values on on doing things a second way yeah and and a little bit let's say as I've grown older and learned about more of, of I would argue and again this is not for everybody but nothing really new or different or whatever comes from the middle and comes from the average yeah it all comes from the extremes nice one for that yeah um, and if you want to do something really different or innovative or, or whatever then then you have to be doing something differently than what everyone else is doing otherwise it just it's 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 basically the definition of insanity of of trying new things same thing again expecting a different results right and so oh if this is what the mainstream is doing over and over again um, and I think to some extent it's, it's a bit of a double-edged sword because certain things are done for a reason and always being contrarian just because you think of, of there's got to be something better can can sometimes hurt you because, you know, we, we have, what what is it, you know, 6,000 years of modern culture that have evolved rituals and, and, and habits in a certain way because there's there's value in them. Yeah. I, I would argue a lot of these things wouldn't exist if there wasn't value in them. Like, like why would you be doing it if there was no value in it? Um, even if you're not, like, conscious about it, that sort of, there's sort of an evolution of, 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 of behaviors. And I think there is sort of value in these behaviors, even if we've sort of moved beyond them or, or they're potentially no longer so relevant. Mm-hmm. But still, I've sort of kind of swung on onto the extremes of, of, I don't know, that's just sort of how I've always been. Yeah. And then sort of through, through my life experience of 
both being very entrepreneurial, both kind of, I touched on this, but I spent a good, from about, uh, even till relatively recent, 2005 till 2007, I guess, I, technically, I guess I still am, but but in a different slightly capacity, at least 2017 until I really started this. But even this is an educational thing. I've been involved in education. So I've always been about sort of, of teaching and, and mentoring and coaching yeah. and, and and wanting to 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 help help people get knowledge. Um, so this has always been a big, sort of sharing the knowledge that I've found and helping people get knowledge themselves has always been important to me. And, and through my experience in education, there's sort of that component. And then with sort of the entrepreneurship, but also since we're probably talking six or seven years now, I've gone into the, the investment finance space, uh, both through so my family as a firm, uh, for a while it was like a GP of a venture fund, uh, also got involved with, with very old, like more startup-y. Uh, when I was in Brazil, I was involved with a, a mobile app. Uh, I was in China with some tech company. I've, I've had my own company, so I've, I've been in the more entrepreneurial space. I started to see the finance side of it. And coming and, back to and, that, yeah. Yeah, and so I think this has really become the, the merger of these mm-hmm. these sort of the problem that I'm passionate about, my values and my experience has kind of merged into to what I'm trying to do now. This is the convergence point now. And so kind this of this is where you sit now and you feel that you you know, you this is the problem that you really want to love to solve and the, the passion that you have around it becomes from the experiences yep. and what you want to achieve as well, right? Exactly. I, I think that that's exactly I don't know, that's sort of what brought me to to where we are today. Fantastic. And, 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 and it's pushing. also a great wrap up because it yeah. really ultimately is is that no matter what you do and no matter what you're looking to solve is it really comes from a few points. It yeah. comes from the experience that you have of what you're really personally passionate about yeah. looking to solve. Yeah. But then also coming in then saying, Well, what can I do? Yeah. And, and really make a difference in that as well. Exactly. Um, and I, I think that's always the thing is is it's I think you have to be aware about what it's sort of you have to be aware self-aware and of who you are and, and what what your things is and also sort of how be aware of sort of okay what is the context and how does that relate to the, the bigger picture mm-hmm. and what's sort of going on in the world and, and how can i sort of use my self-awareness in the context of of, of the greater the greater problem and the greater society so thanks everyone for, for listening uh, this this week um we're really excited to actually say that we will both be uh, available uh, in Helsinki next week at Art 15 uh, during June 5th and 6th. Um, I think, I know I'm speaking on a, at a, on a panel on why to invest in Europe. James, are you speaking as well? Or yeah, I'm, I'm actually curating the entire track. So on, uh, on June 6th, there's a couple of hours where we were discussing with the impact tractor. So come find us, um, just come say hello. Um, we'll be around and, and we'd love to hear from you. And as always, please comment, like, let us know what you think. If you think there's anything that we're doing is really stupid, uh, if there's anything that you really like. And again, if, if, well, if there's anything really stupid that you really, really like. like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the number one thing we want you to, we want you to tell us. Uh, and as always, if you have a problem that you're really passionate about or, or know of a problem that, that you're passionate about or know of someone that you would like to get on the show, let us know. We'd be happy to have them and, and we'd love to talk to them. So thank you. See you guys. Do 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 do